0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His word and more in love with people. Amen, what a wonderful, wonderful day we've already had this morning, and uh, just thankful for each and every one of you deciding to join us uh, for our worship service this morning. Weren't the children just amazing this morning? Can we give let's let them hear how much we appreciated. That was amazing. And I was sitting back there, and uh, hopefully some of you will share, uh, some of the parents will share pictures with me, because I was like, oh man, we need a picture of this, this is amazing, and, and so it is so good to be in the Lord's house, and uh, I do want to say, Lydia, it is good to see you, bless your heart. Lydia, right down here, can you raise your arm up, let everybody see your wound, can you see Lydia played soccer until her career-ending injury the other day. Now I'm just kidding, uh, kidding. She'll be back up and about, but uh, she had surgery uh, to repair a very significant break in her arm and put plates and all that kind of good stuff in her arm. I'm thankful that you're here this morning. It's good to see you. And, uh, man, I saw Rosalie uh, Blackwell this morning. Wasn't it good to see Rosalie? Amen. And uh, all decked out for Easter and... Uh, For those of you who have joined us today for the first time or the first time in a while, thank you again so much for being here. I encourage you to grab one of those connection cards and and drop it off at the information desk. We just have a gift just to say thank you so much for being here and worship. I do want to ask you to keep a couple of things in prayer before we get into the message, or I'll forget, Um, I received a couple of... uh, 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 emails this weekend. I want to ask you to pray for Randy Litzinger's father, Roger Uh, Litzinger. Had had a stroke a while ago and just suffered this weekend, his second and third follow-up, kind of mini strokes. And so be praying for Roger Litzinger. Uh, I know that Randy would appreciate that. And then Reynolds, I think I saw Reynolds back there. Uh, He just stepped out, didn't he? Bless your heart. We're praying for Reynolds' mom, Betty, um, and she is a, a horse enthusiast and evidently took a fall and broke her hip uh, riding. And so we want to pray for Miss Betty and then also for uh, Reynolds' dad, Ernie, uh, this morning. So we're praying for her this morning. Thank you all for letting me know that. And then uh, James, uh, I, James would not want me to share this, but I'm going to share it anyway. He's probably got a little bit of a smirk on his face back there. Uh, one of our audio engineers really back there, uh, he begins treatment tomorrow morning, tomorrow morning for uh, cancer treatment, and so he'll be having the chemo and radiation concurrently morning and afternoon, and so let's pray for James Granahan. Write that down, James Granahan, and keep him in your thoughts and prayers, and, uh, and then I know Reagan, where's Reagan? Reagan. Bless your heart. Your mom, Sheila, is having knee replacement her second knee replacement uh, on Tuesday, right? And so a lot of things taking place. I just appreciate your willingness to pray. And then one last other housekeeping announcement because I didn't do it last week and I don't see them right now, but I know they're out here somewhere. I just want to say, there they are. I want to say thank you to Ron and Patty Kahn. Thank you last week. They provided the palms as everybody left and I just really appreciated that. So thank you so much. Bless your heart for doing that. Uh, now if you have uh, your Bible, uh, I ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. If not, there's one right there in the seat back. And uh, I'm not gonna be long this morning. Ha 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 ha, ha, ha. Uh, Seriously, no, I'm not gonna be long. Listen, one of the one of the days you don't want to be long on is Easter, because then I get in trouble at home, right? And so uh, I, I promise not to be very long this morning. But uh, uh, listen, it's so good to see each of you here in this place and those online as we've gathered for this special resurrection Sunday. And as you're turning, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, at Christmas time, at Christmas time we go around and and you ever see those bumper stickers or, or people say Jesus is the, for the, but you know, we don't say that at Easter and yet I'm surprised. Why not? Because Jesus is still the reason for the season at Easter, isn't he? I mean, really, when it boils down to uh, Easter is about one thing and one thing only, and that's Jesus, his death, burial, and his glorious resurrection, amen? And so we ought to, maybe we ought to adopt that, hashtag Pastor Greg, we ought to adopt that, go around at Easter and say, Jesus is still the reason for the season, amen? Amen the beautiful truth is that Jesus' resurrection assures us not only of his victory over over death, over over hell, this awful place called hell in the grave, but it assures you and I, for those who believe, it assures you and I of our ultimate victory over death. Amen? Amen. Can somebody get excited on Easter? I know we're in a Baptist church, and you've been taught and trained. I don't say a word. I I, I don't say anything. They might think I'm volunteering for something. (laughs) And honey, we're leaving right after he's finished and we're not volunteering. It's okay, man. You can get excited. It is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And ultimately, 2 Timothy 2.11 says this. It says, it is a faithful saying for if we be dead with him, we shall live with him. Man, I don't know about you, but I, I always tell people, I'm going to see the king. One day, soon and very soon, I'm going to see Jesus. And listen, he, he died so that he could free you and I from the penalty of sin. Not only that he could free us from the penalty of sin, he died so that you and I would not experience eternal death, but that you and I in victory would be able to joyfully and really celebrate the resurrection and the life because one day I'm going to be resurrected. What a Savior we serve. Oh, man. Well, all right, that's it. Have a nice Easter. (laughs) One of these Sundays, I ought to do that. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Not today. No, sir. Look with me in Luke chapter 24, just a few verses of Scripture. Luke 24, look at verse number one and following. And the Bible says, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, would you say? They're a little bit perplexed. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. I don't know about you. I I I, I kind of in my in my own imagination sometimes get carried away. But I imagine those angels. I don't think they just said, "He, he is not here." I believe they said, "He's not here. He is risen." Amen. What a wonderful truth. He is risen from the dead. Amen. And you and I can celebrate that this morning. And so let's open just with a short word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, I pray now that you will do what only you can do. God, that I'll step backwards so that you can step forward through me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are my strength and you are my redeemer. And we know that all blessings come from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll do what only you can do in this next few moments of time. And we'll be careful to give you the praise the honor and the glory for it all. For it's in the precious and powerful name of your son Jesus and for his sake we pray, amen and amen. Well, if you notice in the text right away, there's a group of women, they've come, Jesus, they've come to to literally very early in the morning in order to finish the preparing of Jesus' body for, for literally for permanent burial. The betrayal, the arrest, the mock trial, the scourging, his crucifixion and his burial, that's all in the past. And now we've moved three days later, and here come these women. And when they get to the tomb, the reality is that they're shocked. They're surprised by what they find. This is not ordinary. This is not something that happened every day, right? This doesn't happen every day. And so the, the reality is, at this point, you got to remember, they had forgotten all that Jesus had said about him being resurrected. They had no clue that that was taking place. And you say, well, where do you get that from? I get it from scripture. Notice with me in verse number two, they found a few surprises. In verse number two, the first surprise is they found the stone rolled away. Guys, this would have been a shock To these ladies because over in Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 27 in verse 60 and 61 you can find that these women they actually watched Joseph of Arimathea right he gets the body of Jesus they watch him lay the body of Jesus in the tomb and these women actually watch the stone be rolled in front of the tomb you say what's the big deal They get there and the stone's rolled away. You say, again, what's the big deal? Well, Mark's gospel in Mark 16 and verse number 3 tells you and me that these women, they actually believed that they were going to find the tomb sealed because notice what they said. They said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? So these women, as they're coming to prepare Jesus' body, they're not expecting the resurrection and the life they're expecting Jesus to still be dead, right? And so they come and they're like, hey, when we get there, hello, duh, there's a big huge boulder in front of the tomb. How are we gonna actually be able to do this? And so what's interesting is it doesn't stop them from heading to the tomb, but as they're walking to the tomb, they're asking this question. They're like, hey, who's gonna roll the stone away? And I'm guessing in their mind they might have thought that maybe the Roman soldiers who were posted out front, maybe they would help them if they told them what they were doing, that they would help them. But the reality is, if you go back to our text, the Bible says that the stone had been rolled away. The second surprise they found is in verse number 3. Notice, it tells us that when they get there, they actually go in the tomb. And when they go in the tomb, they find not the body of Jesus. And so nothing is like what it is supposed to be. They get to the tomb. Check it out. The stone's been rolled away. And they're like, what the heck is going on? Where? Where? What's going on? And then they go inside and all they see, you can look from the other gospel accounts, all they see are the grave clothes that have been left in position, right? He, he had no need for grave clothes. He had risen. But they go and they see no stone. They see no uh, body. In fact, John chapter 20 and verse number 2 tells us that Mary Magdalene, literally she took off running and she comes and she finds Peter and John. As soon as she sees all that's taking place, she's like, what the heck's going on? So she takes off and she wants to go tell Peter and John. And here's what she says in verse 2 of chapter 20. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they have laid them. She's thinking, this would have been something that was prevalent. There were things back then, I I, I don't know that that's big business, but there were such things as called grave robbers back then. So she's scared to death. She's like, hold on, somebody has stolen Jesus. So she takes off and she goes and tells these disciples what's going on. And then in Mark chapter 16, verse 8, the Bible tells us that the other women, watch, they actually fled from the sepulcher and they trembled and were amazed and neither said anything to any man why because they were afraid ladies let me ask you a question if you come to a tomb where you know somebody is to be buried somebody has been buried there somebody has shut up the tomb somebody has put the dirt back in the grave whatever it is in our context and you go there and all the dirt's gone and the body's missing do you think you would have a problem I mean, sometimes we got to get into the scripture and, and see what's going on. And so there's no there's no stone, there's no body. Look at verse number four. You want to make matters worse? There's two dudes standing there in shiny clothes. First of all, our immediate thought is: why are they wearing shiny clothes? Why are they wearing sparkly outfits? Because it's Easter. Why are you wearing sparkly outfits? Because it's Easter, right? That's our immediate thought. But these are not two men. These are two angels. In fact, Luke's gospel actually confirms that later on in Luke 24 and verse number 23. And so they see these two angels and notice their immediate response in verse number five is these women hit the deck in reverence to these majestic beings. But that's not the greatest surprise. The stones rolled away, there's no body, there's two angels there, and they hit the deck in reverence, but that's not the greatest surprise. The greatest surprise is found in verse number 5, when these angels literally make this pointed assertion, they ask this question to the women, they say, Why? What are you doing? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? This is a place where dead people reside. But Jesus, he's not dead. He's not here. He's risen. And by the way, he told you that before. And so why are you here? Why have you gathered spices? In other words, what these angels were saying was, get rid of the spices. We don't need them. You say, well, where did Jesus do all this talking? Can I tell you, we don't have time to literally go through all the passages where Jesus talked about what was going to happen. But I just want to share a few passages with you from Matthew's gospel alone. We're only going to look and see just a couple of times from Matthew's gospel. After telling his disciples that he would establish his church in Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 18 and that the gates of hell would not prevail against it, a few verses later, here's what the Bible says. It says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and watch this, and be killed and be raised again the third day. A chapter later, Matthew chapter 17, after he heals that demon-possessed boy, he's been up on the mountain of transfiguration, his disciples try to heal the boy, no luck, Jesus comes down, heals him, he says, they say, why couldn't we do it? And he says, because of your unbelief. Right after that, the Bible tells us in verse 22 and 3, it says, while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the hands of men, and they shall kill him on the third day, and he shall be raised again. And the Bible says they were exceeding sorry. They were sorry about it. He literally shares it a third time with them. It's almost like, hello. You know, sometimes, how do we teach our kids things? Repetition. No. But mom and dad, no. It's like by the time they get ready to ask the third time, they're like, no, I already, I already told you twice, no. It's like, when's the answer ever going to be yes? Could I get a yes out of here? Yes, you can do your homework. Yes, you can brush your teeth before you go to bed. Yes, 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 you can help mommy clean the kitchen. Yes, you can weed eat the yard. Jesus says a third time in Matthew chapter 20, watch what he says. In verse 18 and 19, he says, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, to scourge, and to crucify. And watch what he says. And the third day. Aren't you glad for the third day? Oh man, we, I saw these posts all over Facebook. Sundays are coming. And I joined in the crowd. Maybe y'all saw my post. Sunday's a coming. I'm so thankful for Sunday, amen. By the way, you want to know why we worship on Sunday? It's because it's the first day of the week. And that's the day Jesus got up out of that grave. That's why we don't don't worship on Saturday. A lot of people say, why don't y'all worship on Saturday? They used to do the Sabbath and everything. Because Jesus didn't rise up on the Sabbath. He raised up on Sunday, the first day of the week. That's why we do that. That's a short side lesson. Okay, all right. He says the third day shall rise again. But think about the women in their mindset. What's taking place in their sadness of losing Jesus? They're feeling a little bit defeated. He said he was come to seek and to save that which was lost. They're feeling a little bit discouraged. But the reality is they had forgotten all that Jesus had shared about his resurrection. And I just simply put this in my notes. When you and I, watch this, if you don't get anything else... When you and I forget the Word of God, we tend to live defeated lives. These women, they're coming with their spices. They want to do a good thing. But doing a good thing isn't always the best thing. They're coming, they want to, out of love, they're wanting to prepare His body for permanent burial, and yet... They had forgotten what he had said about being the resurrection and the life. Listen, folks, the message of Easter on that very first Sunday and every day since is captured in verse number 6 when the angels declare he is not here but is risen. In other words, listen, as the choir sang out earlier, he is risen in victory. He is alive. Oh, the women had forgotten all that Jesus had shared. And so the angels... Redirect their thoughts, their emotions, and their fears away from Jesus' death. And the angel points them to the fact that Jesus is no longer dead, but he is risen. I put in my notes if, you're in our, if my faith and your faith stops at the cross, we're most miserable. If all we do is think about Jesus who died on the cross, we got a problem. If all we focus on is that Jesus willingly laid down his life for us, we've got a problem. See, we get together today not to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, which I'm eternally grateful for, but I'm really thankful that he got up out of that grave. That's what we get excited about. Oh, listen, that's what sets us free. We rejoice in that testimony He is not here. He is risen. Paul said this in Romans 1, 4. He said that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26 to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he went on, he said, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you know him today? Do you know him? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Because the reality is Francis Schaeffer, that great theologian and pastor, listen, although, you know, I'm going to give him some props. You know, he was a Presbyterian. That's okay. I still love him. I still love him. Hey, but do you know that being a Presbyterian doesn't get you to heaven? I'm going to say something really shocking. My dad's probably watching. Because I grew up in the Methodist church. You know being a Methodist doesn't get you to heaven? Being a Baptist doesn't get you to heaven? Being a Catholic doesn't get you to heaven? The only one who gets us to heaven is Jesus. Our faith in the risen Savior of the world. That's what takes us to heaven. Oh man, listen. It was Francis Schaeffer, he said this. He said, Jesus is not the best answer. He's the only answer. Isn't that what he said? He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He said, I'm the door. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is what Jesus said. And so the resurrection of Jesus Christ brought triumph to what had initially seemed to these women as a tragedy. And for you and I, without Christ, death seems like a tragedy. But with Christ, it is a triumph because soon and very soon, we too shall be raised in like he is. So do we live with death in view or are we living with a resurrection view? You know, the prophet Isaiah had a lot to say about Jesus. He told us what was going to happen with Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 3 and following, the Bible says that Jesus was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, watch it, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. But thank you, Jesus. Look what it says. It says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus placed the sin of the world all on him because he loved you and he loved me. Which is great news. Which is great news because if we go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and Adam's sin in the garden, the reality is that because of that sin and because it has been imputed to you and to me, the reality is all the way back to the garden, it started this vicious cycle. And the reality is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And the only Savior of the world, as God's Word declares, is Jesus Christ, the righteous. Our righteousness, in fact, Isaiah says that our righteousnesses in Isaiah 64, 6 are like filthy rags. I shared this last Sunday, Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. The Bible says that there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans three you've heard these verses. Many of you have heard these verses. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans six twenty three says the wages of sin is death. But even with all of that being said, here's the crazy thing to me. In 2023, we still have a misconception about this idea of forgiveness. We have a misconception about what it means to be saved. Some people believe that salvation is obtainable. Attainable, not obtainable. But is attainable by adhering to some set of moral or ethical code. Or some type of, uh, man, if I just adhere to these rules. Listen, Jesus came to do away with the law. You can't, ad- you can't uh, adhere to a bunch of rules and, and get to heaven. That's just not how scripture says it works. Others think that they can do enough good works. That sometimes, like if I do enough good, then here's, here's the mindset is if, Pastor, if I do enough good and I just keep being good and I keep doing right and I just love my brother and I love my neighbor, you know, God said, love God and love your neighbors. And if I just keep doing this, God is going to be compelled to open up the, the gates of heaven and let me in. That's not how it works. Listen, you ought to do those things, especially after Christ comes in, right? But that's not how it works. And I even think that there's some people on some level, they actually, we've, we've kind of tricked our mind into believing that, like watch this, like if I give enough money to some humanitarian uh, project, I mean, there's been a lot of tornadoes in the U.S., so if I give enough money to Franklin Graham and all the stuff that's going on down in Mississippi and Arkansas and Missouri and and, and Alabama and all these these things like this, that God will just open his arms and say, yes, thank you for loving other people. I wish I could tell you that was something that would work too, but you know what? Jesus himself made it very clear. He was talking to a man by the name of Nicodemus in John chapter 3, And Jesus, he he sets the record straight. And listen to what he said to Nicodemus in John 3 and verse 3. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Let's just stop for a second. Except a man be born again, except a woman be born again, except a young person be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. These are the words of Jesus Christ himself. And he goes on, Nicodemus said unto him, he says, well, how can I be born? He said, how can we be born when we're old? Can can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says, no, you're not understanding. He says these words in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say, except a man be born of water, speaking of physical birth, and of the Spirit, speaking of spiritual birth, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He said, that which is born of the flesh... Physical birth is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit, spiritual birth, is of the Spirit. And so the key to be born, being born again, the key to unlocking forgiveness and salvation in eternal life, is Jesus and Jesus only. Without Jesus, we don't make it. You know, later on as he's talking to Nicodemus, He continues the discussion with Nicodemus back and forth and he's talking about the Holy Spirit's power and the fact that, you know, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but the the moving of the Holy Spirit, right? And he's talking to him about that. But then when he gets down to verse number 16, probably the most iconic verse of scripture, when he gets down to verse 16, as he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, for God so loved the world. He said, my father loved this world so much That he sent his only begotten son, i.e. me, is what Jesus was saying. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And he says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus said, listen, you have to be born again. Listen, God loves you so much that he provided a way for you to be saved. And he said, guess what? In Romans 5, 8, scripture says God actually proved it. God commended His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to see, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 3. I want you to see one important verse before I wrap up our time. One important verse. And when you get over to 1 John chapter 3, in my Bible, it's on page 789. In 1 John chapter 3, watch this. This is an amazing verse of Scripture. Look at verse number 16. In verse number 16, Scripture says, Hereby perceive we, watch it, Hereby we perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. That word perceive right there comes from the Greek word ginosko. It comes from this Greek word, ginosko, and it literally means to know, to see, to allow, to be aware of. Watch the last one. To be sure of. Guys, put that verse back up. You can be sure. If you've never been sure in your life, the Word of God says that you and I can be sure of of God's love. You don't have to guess about it. You don't have to wonder about it. The Word of God says you can be sure of God's love based on the fact that His Son laid down His life for us. One and only Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ the righteous. He understood. As I think Travis referred to last week even, Even as he was praying and he referred to Hebrews chapter 9 and 22 where it says without the shedding of blood there is no remission of our sins. Jesus understood that he had to die. He understood that he had to shed his own blood and die in order to deliver you and to deliver me from sin's penalty. And I put in my notes, he died even though we were ungodly and at war with God. He died even though we didn't ask him to. He died because he knew that the price that was required in order to purchase our freedom and forgiveness, he willingly laid down his life because scripture says he loved us. In other words, folks, in other words, the reality is that he gave his life for me. And he gave his life for you. Know what else we need to be honest. If you're here today and you're a believer, can I ask you, can I ask you how your walk with the Lord is on a day in which we gather, we sing, and we celebrate what He has done for us through His death, through His burial, and through His resurrection? Are you growing? Are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord? Are you walking with him? We've been talking about Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus on Wednesday nights. And how important this this walk, this life that we lead as believers, how important it is. Paul begged him. He begged him. He's in prison and he writes that church and he says, I beseech you therefore... As a prisoner of the Lord, you know I'm in prison. But I beseech you that you walk worthy of your calling. In other words, he was just saying, hey guys, walk in a way that's commensurate with the love of Christ. The love that he showed in dying for you. And if you're here today and you say, I'm a a believer. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Can you ask yourself that question? Here in a second, we're going to have just a quiet moment of prayer. Listen, a time when you might be able to recommit yourself, right? A time when you might be able to, to, to tell the Lord, Thank you. To say, Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. And help me, strengthen me. Give me the courage, give me the ability to stand for you in a world that really wants nothing to do with you. I pray that that would be your prayer. But if you're here today, and you're to be honest with me, You'll be honest with yourself and you'll be honest with the Lord. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior just yet. Maybe you've heard a lot about Jesus. Maybe, maybe you know that people have told you that He is the Savior of the world. But you've never heard a verse that says, Hereby perceive we the love of God in that He laid down His life for us. Maybe, maybe today's the first day that you really understand the significance of Jesus laying down His life willingly by the way he laid it down willingly no one took it from him right the reason he did that is because he told his father he says i have the power to raise it up again i'm so thankful for that you know i learned a long time ago as a little boy my mother passed away when i was 10 and i realized a long time ago By the way, I just got to give God some glory. He loved me so much, he gave me two moms. I'm so thankful for my mom. But as a little boy, I could guess you could say I was a little disgruntled. A little bit angry inside. And I really didn't understand it all until somebody pointed me to the fact that God loved me so much. That he willingly laid down his life for me. And and I was also reminded as a little boy, listen, you know, when you think about someone who is 40 years old passing away, it it kind of boggles the mind. Or when you hear young people passing away, it boggles the mind. But scripture tells us in Proverbs 27, it says, boast not thyself for tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The Bible, James tells us in James chapter four, he says, what is your life? He said, it's even a vapor. It appears for a little time. And then it vanishes away. And so if you're here this morning, I'm asking you to do something maybe you've never been asked to do. I'm asking you to be honest enough. In this moment, if you don't know Christ, I'm asking you to call out upon the name of the Lord. Here's what Jesus said. He said this in John 14, 9. He said, because I live, you shall also live. For those who place their faith in the risen Savior of the world. He said, hey, hey, because I'm alive, one day you'll be alive. You'll You'll never experience that death. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 11, and this is the record. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, and he that has the Son has life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Romans 10, 9 says, listen, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a very personal decision between you and a God who loved you enough to die for you. And scripture makes it pretty simple. You say, well, do I have to join the church? no. Do I have to be a Baptist? No. (laughs) Scripture says there's only one thing necessary. Does the word of God and the spirit of God draw you to the foot of the cross? The Bible says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you thankful for that? That's pretty simple. And so right now in this moment, I'm just going to have a word of prayer. I'm just going to have a word of prayer would you pray with me listen every head bowed christians man i'm asking you to pray in this time specifically if you're here and you say pastor i've never trusted christ but the word of god and the spirit of god has brought me to this point today i know that the lord is speaking to my heart and i want to call out upon the name of the lord for the forgiveness of sin and i want to trust christ as my savior can i tell you it's not about some mystical magical set of words but about the desire of your heart and the spirit bringing you to this point. Listen, if you'll call out upon the name of the Lord, he will receive you unto himself. And so maybe a simple prayer of recognition. Jesus, I actually realize I'm a sinner. Nobody had to tell me that. That pastor didn't have to tell me. My wife, my husband, my children, my parents, they didn't have to tell me. But I realize that I'm a sinner. And so right now, based upon your word, And draw me to this point. I'm calling on you for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you for dying in my place. So that one day I could be with you. That I would not experience eternal death. But I will experience eternal life. Thank you for that gift. Now in the quietness of this moment. You say, Pastor, I prayed that. I prayed that in my heart. I prayed that. I meant that this morning. I ask Christ to be my Savior. I'm going to ask you to do something really simple, but something bold, too. I'm going to ask you to look at me as a testimony of that. Say, Pastor, I prayed that. I prayed that prayer this morning. Would you just get my attention? Say, I prayed that prayer. God bless you. Someone else. Say, I prayed that prayer this morning. Grab my attention. Grab my attention. I don't want to pass you. God bless you, man. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Somebody else. Sir, God bless you. Bless your heart. Someone else. Someone else. I prayed that prayer, and I meant business. God bless you. I see you. Somebody else. Anybody else? Over this way. I don't want to leave you out. I want to give God the praise for what he's done in your life today. Somebody else. Maybe you're here. You're a believer. and God bless you. I see you, young man. I see you back there. Sorry. Maybe you're a believer today, and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that I would walk in a way that is worthy of my calling in Christ Jesus? Would you pray for me? Would you look at me as a testimony of that desire? God bless you. Say, pray for me that I would walk worthy of my relationship with Christ. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. Others, others, just get my attention. God bless you. I see you, bro. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I see you, ma'am. God bless you. Somebody else say, pray for me. I see you, brother. God bless you. Praise the Lord. I see you, young man. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Ma'am, God bless you. I, folks all over the, the auditorium. maybe you're online and you've trusted Christ. Man, just send us an emoji, holy hands lifted up. Let us know how we can be a blessing to you, right? Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your, what you have done today. God, in saving souls and drawing us back, back to you where we give you the praise and where we give you the honor and the glory. God, I pray now that as we open up this time of invitation, as we open up our altar, Lord, that people will do business with you, whether whether they're coming, making their profession of faith, or maybe they want to be baptized, or maybe they're looking for a good church home. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will and your way during this invitation. And God, help us to give you the glory for it. Maybe somebody just wants to come and pray with a family. Maybe they just want to praise you for what you've done in their life. God, I pray that you'll use this song of invitation as only you can, and we'll give you the praise for it all. For it's in the precious and powerful name of Jesus, and for his sake we pray, amen and amen.